broadcasting live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday. How you doing out there? Good to have you on board. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. That is Director Matthew. You're you. You're with us. We appreciate you. Whether you're driving about town, listening on 93.3 FM, or watching on War Chant TV, don't for the cap to all of you. Appreciate you joining us on Twitter. It's at Jay Cameron Show. Don't know if I said that or not. And away we go. Let's get straight to it. Obviously, it is now dynastic as the Kansas City Chiefs win Super Bowl 58. And, man, what a, what a fun game to talk about because it had so many uh, moments. Big moments is where this thing kind of happened, right? Where you realize San Francisco at one point could have probably put this game away. They didn't. You're probably like me. The longer that the game went on and they didn't put it away, the more assured you became that Kansas City would come back because at some point the ball would be in the hands of the best player in the National Football League with a chance to win the game, and he was going to make those plays, and he did. And that's where we stand today, having seen Kansas City lock in another one. And now for think about this. You know, Tom, I was thinking about this the other day, and even during the course of this game, I thought about it a little bit. If 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 Kansas City were to go on and, and come back and win the game in particular, you know, we, you and I have been on the air together a long time. I'm going back uh, a, a ways uh, ago, too, with me and uh, Matt, and, and I always talked about I liked being on the air for greatness, and I liked you know, in a lifetime, I want to be an old man someday and talk to my grandkids about the, the the best athletes that you ever saw and the best and most famous dynasties and comparing and contrasting all those because I've watched as my own kids now come of age and play sports and ask questions about the greatest players I've ever seen and the greatest dynasties I've I, I ever witnessed. And they do it in basketball. They do it in the NFL. They do it for college football, obviously. And You know, when you have a run like the NFL did with a few really elite quarterbacks lasting as long as they did, I recall a conversation, a specific conversation that you and I had about all those guys kind of getting out of the game relatively around the same time, you know, and who was going to take over because we were having to face the retirement or the rumored retirement annually of Tom Brady. Of course, you had that. With Drew Brees in New Orleans, people talked of him in that same capacity. Big Ben in Pittsburgh, people talked. And obviously, that was all right after Peyton Manning was also retiring. You had that. I know Andrew Luck wasn't the same player, but he was a a dominant player and an MVP caliber player. So all these quarterbacks were going away, is the point. And, And they said, in essence, 
Uh, you know, who's going to take their place? And when you think there's going to be a dearth, there's not going to be somebody. Well, guess what? There's always somebody. There's always going to be somebody coming down the, the pike that you can look at and say, well, that's the best player in the game now. But then is there going to be one that separates himself from that select group? Well, we have him. You know, it's Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's who it is. This is a guy now who's third in playoff wins all time. He's third in playoff wins all time. Dude is 28. He's been a starter for six years. Four Super Bowl appearances, three titles won, three Super Bowl MVPs, two NFL MVPs. And thank goodness for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating that ass and doing what everybody else couldn't. Or else he'd have another one on that list and uh, would be knocking on Brady's door for at least the New England championships. It's crazy to think about that. But it's definitely Patrick Mahomes. It was uh, an interesting game because there's was, there was a lot of bad football, a lot of bad decision-making, a lot of a whole bunch of stuff that you can second-guess for the first, what, quarter, sorry, half and five minutes of the of the third quarter mm-hmm. mistakes the fumbles you know going in for scores on multiple drives for either team what san francisco did not do with an early opportunity in the That's third the story quarter of the game, by the way. story of the game and you could just yeah. stop there you don't even have to say specific to that quarter just story of the game is what san francisco did not do when given the opportunity to win the super bowl there are multitudes of examples where they could have yeah. in in retrospect won the super bowl but didn't Oh, well, I, I forget who said it during the halftime show, and I felt like that was the longest one in the history of the NFL. That one felt like it was 30, 40 minutes. Um, they're winning both lines of scrimmage, and they were. You know, San Francisco was winning both lines of scrimmage yeah. in the first half, yeah. and they had a one-touchdown lead to show for it. You get the ball in plus territory, and you don't give it to Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that's just – it's incredible. And then they didn't – the next drive. Was the field position is good? No, but they were close to the 40-yard line on their own side. And the same thing happened. So by the time you hand it to them on first down in their third drive of the second half, Kansas City knows what's coming. So it was all out of sequence. Mahomes wasn't that great until he was great down the stretch. Um, It was an interesting Super Bowl. And and the finish was great. uh, But the first half, there was a lot of mistakes more than there were plays being made by either side. You know, it's it's if you're San Francisco today, like you can choose to focus on you know either side of this. Obviously, the one I wanted to lead with was Mahomes. Now, who has these accolades that are obviously akin to the greatest of all time, and he's now entering into these kind of conversations that change. This is where you get into legacy conversations, and I, I typically load those conversations. But he's kicked down the door and entered the room because now here's three titles. He's been to four Super Bowls and obviously has six years as a starter. That's insane. And to do it in a year where they weren't great. You know, that's that's the thing about it. Kansas City didn't have a thousand yard receiver. Kansas City didn't have a thousand yard rusher. Kansas City led the National Football League in drops. Kansas City committed the most amount of offensive penalties of any team in the NFL. And they did a lot of things not very well. We were burying them around Christmas. They got blown out by the Raiders, sorry ass. I mean, they were, you know, I know the score got a little closer there at the end, but they were dominated. I mean, the Raiders kind of just ran the ball. It was like uh, Michigan against Penn State. Just doing, you know, I'm just going to run the ball on every play in the second half because you can't stop it. And they couldn't. So they were flawed. They were terribly flawed. And they were going to have to go on the road. 
And first they win the game against Miami, which, okay, you get some credit there, but Miami's beat up and it's like minus 57 degrees. So I don't care about that win. But going on the road to beat Buffalo and Baltimore, and then this was a game effort from San Francisco last night. San Francisco's defense, all playoffs, has been terrible, but they were very, very, very good for three and a half quarters in this game. And they still, I mean, just, oh, you're aching ass if you're a San Francisco fan today because you had everything you needed. But in particular, if you're Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan, I man, that dude needs a hug today. Think about that guy now in his career. He's lost two Super Bowls in the last five years. We're up 10 in both games. Marriott with the 28-3 collapses OC in Atlanta. And he's been on the wrong end of some brutal losses. And there's always a stretch. You know, I, I said to you today off the air, whenever I get done watching a 49ers game or a Shanahan coach game, I always end up saying the same thing over and over and over again. I'm always kind of like, and you know my mantra with this with him, I always end up saying, run the ball for starters, and then call timeouts before the end of halves and put yourself in a better position, please. Could you stop being so scared before the end of halves? Those two conversations happen. Every time. Now, that's not to say the guy won't win one and that he's not good. He has been good, but he hasn't been able to get over the hump, and there's always this thing that you can attach where you go, my man, so they come out in the second half, and they throw the ball six consecutive times. So in back-to-back possessions, three and out, three and out, all throws. Other than Mahomes, McCaffrey's the best player on the field. What are you doing Give the guy the ball. It's bizarre. I don't know if the fumble spooked him. I think the fumble spooked him, but that's silly. You can't get spooked there. No, it's it's McCaffrey. He's the best player on the field for you. When, you know, yeah. when those 22 are on the field, when you have the ball, McCaffrey's the best player. And he forgot that in plus territory. Always with does. To, Always does. It's a bad sequence of football, too, because you have uh, Reed and the coaching staff for the Eagles. Or, sorry, listen to me going way back in the day. Coaching staff for the Chiefs. Um, missing on the first down, the poor spot. They don't challenge it. They use a timeout. And the whole world is assuming that the timeout is a challenge, and it wasn't. And then he gets it to fourth and half an inch, and he decides to punt it. I'm like, oh, my God. So between what Shanahan's doing, what Reed did, I'm thinking, this is like one of the most poorly coached five- to seven-minute sequences of Super Bowl football I've ever seen. But then the game takes on a life of its own as it goes into the second half, and you just knew. Everybody felt it that when the extra point was blocked, that that was going to come back and and be a humongous deal, and it was. Uh, I I do want to say, by the way, you could get, um, after those two three and outs, remember San Francisco is still leading the game, you could get the Chiefs at plus 285, down seven at that point. You can get them at plus 285, and when San Fran goes empty there on those two possessions and your head coach has lost his mind, in a, in a similar situation to Munkin losing his mind in Baltimore, where it's like they have some sort of hex. Like the fear of Kansas City creates my numbness for otherwise talented OCs who somehow forget you're allowed to run the ball in those situations. I, I don't know how it happens, but it does. And that speaks to a level of desperation and perhaps the greatness of what you're facing. But you have those six consecutive passes in the third quarter and you get nothing to show for it, two, three and outs to begin, and you can get the Chiefs right there at plus 285. little pizza money went helping offset those things. By the way, we don't want to forget that Spagnola was awesome again. Uh, the Chiefs' DC is a beast. 
but go back to this, and, and really we're probably burying the lead here because in a game filled with moments that you felt like those were tilting the outcome or what was going to become the outcome, how about third and five coming up on the two-minute warning, you get a first down, you win the game. That's all there is to it. You yeah. get a first down, yeah. you, you win the game. And they brought the house. And, and, you know, you could, in that situation, run the ball twice. You could say, I'm giving it to Christian McCaffrey twice. If, if you're playing four down football, you say, I have two downs to get four or five yards here to win the Super Bowl. And you have to know that he's going to blitz. Yeah. They did on 51% of his dropbacks, the highest percentage yeah. in Spagnola's career. It's a zero blitz every time. It was third down every time. That's exactly what they did. It's a uh, damn it, man. So that's there's that. But you do have to acknowledge that, you know, being allowed to stick around for three and a half quarters is one way of phrasing it. The other way is that Kansas City's defense won them the Super Bowl. And yeah. every you know every big game this year, I know the tendency when you have a future Hall of Famer at quarterback, we did this with Brady, we've done it with every great quarterback, is to is to give the credit, to lavish the praise on the quarterback. But the only reason you're in the game to have the opportunity in the fourth quarter after the missed opportunities by the Niners is because of the Kansas City defense. That and a little bad luck, man. I think if you're Kyle today, you think back, really? A, a punt's going to hit an up man's foot in the Super Bowl? And we're in total domination mode. Kansas City can't move the ball to save their life. You're going to have the ball back with mere minutes to play in the third quarter. You have possession up by four. And instead, you give up. I mean, you just gave six points. Seven. Frustrating. Yeah. First play, double team Kelsey open wide open in the middle. Yeah. I mean, it, and matriculate the ball is what Kansas City did. It, it's kind of remarkable. Two things. So they, they get down and they've got a chance to go win the game in regulation. And he's only zeroing in on 87 in that situation on the left sideline. He's got Rasheed Rice over the middle for a touchdown. And, and Rasheed looks like he's ready to vomit. Well, That's he's when they he's also angry and showing his ass on the sideline to one of the greatest players of all time. If I'm Mahomes, I'm like, okay, son. This is the <laughs> yeah. last time we'll ever do this. But anyhow. <laughs> That's one thing. Secondly, in overtime, it's remarkable that it's two possessions last the whole overtime period. And that's just that's incredible. It is crazy. That both took that long, and they've got a key fourth and one conversion. It's a Mahomes run. He was their best runner all night. Obviously, led the team in uh, rushing. Yes. So that particular play call, we run. I thought that was really cool. That that's the play from fourth down in Clemson yeah. in the second quarter, yeah. where Jaheim Bell. There's an outlet to Jaheim Bell, and then Jordan's. It's a read option. It's the same play. That's how they convert. And when they get down, the, the crazy part about that is that overtime took forever, and it, it felt inevitable what was coming. But then when the play happens, it happens so fast. It was almost like the moment just it went this quick. You know, it's building up and building up and building up, and you're waiting for this crescendo. You're like, oh, he's wide open. That's it. And that's the play they ran twice against the Eagles last year. Same play. Yeah, it's um, – again, it's it's easy. I know in the moment – I didn't get a chance to talk to you last night but on the drive, so remember, they also have a second and four in the overtime. The Niners have a second and four from the Chiefs' nine. We forget about that. A second and four from the Chiefs' nine. I mean, there's so many chances for them to win the Super Bowl. 
and they just couldn't do it or put themselves in a position to win the Super Bowl. They never could make the play when they had to make the play. One play, any of these sequences, even on defense, just any of these moments where you got to get a stop or a first down, couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Second and four at the KC9 in overtime. You know for the world 49er fans thought they were about to score a touchdown there. And I don't care that he took the ball first in the overtime. His defense was completely gassed. The new rules didn't even really come into play. But he knew that either way they were going to get a possession. So I, I really don't care that he took the ball there. I, I, I don't have any problem with that. There isn't any of the analytics that say it was a bad move either. No, agreed there. I just I like that if you stayed up to read some of the clippings and all that kind of stuff because the game took forever, so I don't blame anybody if they didn't watch the post-game interviews. But Kansas City was always going to end the game with their first possession in overtime. Yeah, so they chose they were going to go for two, yeah. They were going to go for two. They were going to go for two. So that was mm-hmm. the whole thing was, you know, this one possession is going to be it, and they prepped it during Super Bowl week because they knew the rule changes. They knew if they got to overtime, they're going to even if they had won the toss, they're going to give the ball away. They want the game to end with their offense on the field knowing what they need. Do you need a kick? Or do you need a touchdown? And obviously they got it. Uh, but again, it just Kansas City's offense is the worst it's going to be this year, right here, right now in Mahomes' tenure. They're not going to be that poor at wide receiver ever again, never again in, in Mahomes' tenure. And he's still got it done. And he's still got it no, done. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's, it, well, prob- yeah. the problem, Tom, for everybody else is that defense is really young and they're the best coverage unit in in the National Football League. Give up the fewest amount of yards to wide receiver ones uh, across the league. That, that's what they do. I mean, that's maybe why we thought we'd see Kittle with a bigger game because you knew they would take away the 49ers wide receivers, but Kittle didn't do a damn thing. Had the one conversion catch on the fourth down that I was surprised he went for. In fact, I would have argued not to go for that one, but he did and got it, and I was like, well, look at you, Kyle. Somebody got your headset. Really quickly, just want to note a Monday sale. I don't know what you guys are doing for Valentine's Day, but if you're staying in with your significant other, then uh, my friends at Social Kitchen have you covered right now. It's um, it's a it's a it's an every Monday sort of deal here, but it's a special one this week. Uh, it's a it's an exclusive offer for you guys sticking around. Five dollar discount per pound on any of their expertly hand cut steaks. I wish I could show you this picture. I guess I could flash it there. Those are the steaks. They're really good. I went and got some yesterday or two days ago, and they're really, really good. And grilled them last night. It's uh, steak selection showcases certified Angus beef prime or higher. They take pride in presenting the American Wagyu from uh, Snake River Farms. It's succulent. It is awesome. It is worth it. Stop by there. Their store hours today through Friday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Go check out what the selection looks like. They've got a case in there. You'll see it. You'll talk to Chef Chris. Good stuff. Go by Social Kitchen there on Cary Forest Parkway. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every 
time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV, reacting to last night's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58 in the books. It is a Kansas City win, and they would be uh, something close to odds-on favorites again. I'd have to double-check that, but I would think uh, with that defense returning, there'll be many more opportunities. You've got a generational talent at quarterback coupled with a burgeoning young and improving defense. Andy Reid already announced he would be back Unfortunate for all of us, Travis Kelsey will be back in the league. And that uh, that sucks for all of us who have to watch football and see him every second of every day. It's just annoying. Really great player. Really great player. Just kind of insufferable. Um, Kerry won big, taking Kansas City. So did the country. Uh, if you looked at uh, the odds, that, that if you looked at what people bet on, they bet on Kansas City because people aren't betting against Patrick Mahomes. And there was no reason, and we brought this up last week, uh, there was no reason that we could see that San Francisco should have been favored in this game. And a lot of people asked the question. I certainly did. But about, I don't know, midway through the third quarter, I began thinking, well, maybe the odds makers had it right. San Francisco has dominated the line of scrimmage here, should have a bigger lead but didn't cash it in, allowed Patrick Mahomes and crew to hang around. And when given the chance, plays had to be made, he made them. Uh, It's 85% of uh, Kansas City's yardage for the game accounted for by Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) He's that kind of good. I mean, and that fourth quarter, it's like he's got to make a play. You know he's going to ride them. You know, he's going to get them down at least in field goal position. Quick question. For you, they pull the trigger too quick on that field goal at the end of regulation. Yeah, I, I thought so. I, There's a couple decisions like that. It's six seconds, man, and he knows 
he's the most aware player in the world. Yeah, he knows but let how much me, time he's got. Let me interject this, though. You're right, Tom. You're right to assume that. We've seen him do this countless times, but he made a terrible decision to take off and run when they were out of timeouts, which caused the clock to tick forever. Yeah. And yeah. that was a that's on him and him alone. That was not a designed run. So he does that, and really that kind of killed their clock in that situation. I six is a tough number. Because I do think you can run – obviously, you can run a quick pass. You can do something there. But you run the risk, a la Georgia against Alabama in the SEC championship game, of somebody making the mistake of catching the ball and not getting out of bounds, and you lose the game. And it is the Super Bowl. And you like your chances going to overtime with Patrick Mahomes. So I can yeah, see where Andy's like, you know what, just kick it. You're right. I think at seven, you definitely go. Uh, I think you should still at six. You're close enough to the end zone. Like if you're at the 12 or the 15 yard line, you're back by you know uh, a lot can go wrong here. If it's if it's a, a shot that's it, it ends up being a 20 25 yard throw for Mahomes given the shotgun snap. I, I don't like it, but you're close enough there. I think you're close enough. First read if it's not there, let it go. It ends up not mattering. And I think you're right. The math that he's doing in that situation is, look, I really like the way this fourth quarter has gone. We're we're coming to life here. And I know that Patrick is definitely going to get the ball in overtime. I wonder in that situation, though, if the rules were like they were before they changed and that both teams would get a possession guaranteed. Mm -hmm. I wonder if maybe that changes your decision making at six seconds. If you don't try to go for the win right then, right there, because in the old system, you know, I, I think you'd probably be pretty aggressive and yeah. say we got to win it. We got to win it, win it right now, because a coin flip is going to determine whether or not I even have a chance. Under the old system, I think you're right. And I, I'll say this. It's funny because you got to switch your brain there. You know, you're thinking along with the coach. It's always fun to do that. There are tough – there are real tough decisions to be made. They're not all obvious either. And sometimes it is sort of a understanding where your team's at physically, mentally, understanding how tired is your defense, uh, who's out. You know, I mean, you had injuries in this game. You talk about losing – how tragic is that to lose one of your best players trotting onto the field? And that, that, I felt so bad for him. To get injured like that, that is nuts. But it happens. It, it's not, you know, I, and then right in this morning, I was dropping Bryce off at Leon, and he says to me, how do you tear an Achilles jogging onto the field? I said, well, that was an Achilles that was waiting to be tore, son. That's what that was. That was going to happen whether he was jogging onto the field or trying to cover on the next play. I mean, it was on the cusp of tearing. That's the only way that happens. But it does happen, especially with Achilles. Go look historically at a lot of the Achilles injuries we've seen, it hasn't been some sort of violent collision. Uh, I remember Dan Marino tearing his just in a drop back. And, I, you know, I mean, Kobe Bryant. KD. KD wasn't doing anything crazy. He was running down the floor. All of a sudden, caca. So it, it happens, but it sucks for that guy and his family and for that team. And, again, if you're Shanahan, you're like, I am cursed. Who gets an extra point blocked there's like three blocked extra points a year in football. What are we doing? Guys miss them, but they don't get them blocked. Who gets an extra point blocked in the Super Bowl, has a muff punt off a dude's foot to give up six, and then has their second-best linebacker tearing Achilles jogging onto the field? He's going to be like, are you effing kidding me with this nonsense? So that's the, that's the fun part about this, though, is, yeah, he's terribly unlucky, like terribly unlucky, but he also – is at fault yeah because yeah. he could have just said well the hell with all that these uh, look at all these bad bounces those demons they tried but you know what i've got the best player on the field not named patrick mahomes and i handed him the ball and we won the football game so that's all that matters now so the second guessing is is where it is now 
And again, I just I go back to Kansas City's going to be uber aggressive this offseason to get more weapons. They're going to. It's never going to be that light in terms of a wide receiver room ever again. So if they lose, it won't be because their offense sucks and they're going to be able to pass the ball next year at a much better clip. Yeah, and you know, he said after the game, and of course he did, they all do, but he was asked whether or not he being Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback on earth, and he said uh, it is a dynasty. He had declared that... Um, you know, look, there's uh, you had to add three for it to be a dynasty. We got there, but we're just starting. And it's hard to doubt that, dude, because, again, this year they dominated with defense. They had to try to figure it out throughout the course of the year in offense, and they were bad on offense for a lot of the year. They ended up middle of the pack. They still had a lot of alarming numbers. I mean, think back on the run. You know, you look at the Baltimore win, we go back and think a lot about what what it meant and how Baltimore is is the seed that they were at home with a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and it's all right there for Lamar, who now has a weight on his back because of that performance. And all of these other quarterbacks do because they lose to Mahomes. But if you play poorly, you're really going to get ripped for it. And that was the singular focus was kind of like, how did Todd Munkin decide that we're going to run the ball a grand total of five times with our running backs against Kansas City when, in fact, Kansas City's lone weakness on defense is stopping the run, and so somehow they abandoned it. But what we lost track of in doing that and having that conversation was that Kansas City did next to nothing on offense after the opening drive. They couldn't move the ball to save their life in that game against Baltimore. Not all of that was, we're just going to milk it. They struggled. Baltimore adjusted after those first two drives and dominated Kansas City's offense. And even in this game, Mahomes wins the MVP, stockpiles numbers in the fourth quarter and in overtime, but he was largely pedestrian for three quarters in this game. They could do nothing with San Francisco's zone defense. In fact, Patrick Mahomes' interception looked like an interception that would be thrown by Brock Purdy or somebody who was a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. It was a terrible decision. It was a desperate throw it up for grabs. And that's another occasion where we didn't talk about it. San Francisco gets that pick in the second half and does nothing, not a thing. You kept feeling like if they could get up 13-3, to if they could get up 17-3, to they're going to win the game. But they never could, and that's because Kansas City's defense is very good. They did bend some in the run game, didn't break, and they dominated San Francisco's wide receivers. The, other than Jennings, nobody did anything at wide receiver for San Francisco. Now, they had a couple of plays dialed up early. I thought Purdy actually was pretty good. He missed Debo in the back of the end zone the it's one time. a touchdown time. that he misses. It's a big thing to miss there, though. It, it is because they don't score a touchdown on that drive. Mm -hmm. um, but he did make some really good throws. I thought he was he was fine. Like, if, you know, if you're looking for things where you say, well, he needed to play better. Now, Brock was fine. It's just that... I think he got spooked. I think Shanahan got spooked by the fumble, which is it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, I mean, the holes that were there for McCaffrey yeah, you just early and off. I, mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. You keep and then the once ball. you go away from it, the whole world knows that, oh, it's about time he's due to go back to McCaffrey. Your sequencing is out of line. And so Kansas City is can be alert to that and cheat on some things. And I think they did. Again, that first play of the third drive in the, in the second half, they're cheating on the run. They know it's been six passes in a row. They're not going to make it seven. So at that point, you can tee off, get a tackle for loss. I think it ended up being no gain. But that drive is short-circuited at that point. So it's just, yeah, he was totally out of rhythm. Yeah, but what's weird to me is, I mean, this is football. It happens. Teams gear up to stop the run when they know it's coming. 
You don't quit. You say, okay, second and 10, I'm going to run it again. I'm going to run it again. I'm going to set up third and five. I may run it again. I'm going to run it again because that's what good teams do. I'll run it again. Now it's fourth and two. I'm going for it. I mean, just like the mentality that the play gets stopped and or my guy fumbled earlier in the game and I'm just going to flee for the hills and chuck it around the lot against that secondary is dumb. The other part is I think you might be kind a little bit about Mahomes being pedestrian for the first two and a half, three quarters. He was more rattled by San Francisco's pressures in this Super Bowl than he was by the Buccaneers. And he looked he looked affected by what was coming at him. And he made some really weird decisions, too. There's one where they end up kicking a field goal. I think it's the second quarter drive. I guess it has to be because that's their only points. Mm-hmm. But it's the third down. He, like, he tries to do like a jump pass. He's running into the middle of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and he's scrambling. Gets, gets tackled, yeah. Settle down. There, you know, you're going to be – but he was totally affected by the rush. Yeah, he was. And I thought San Francisco's defense, that, that's a credit to them. They, those edge guys finally showed up and really made plays. Uh, I thought they were very good. Again, obviously, Pacheco did nothing for much of this game. He also had a fumble uh, that was critical. But I, I think you go back and look at the we, – we were correct in the way that we told the story of the game leading up to the Super Bowl, which was I think both these teams would like to run the ball. Both defenses have shown they're susceptible to running the ball. Let's see what happens in the passing game because I have a feeling the offensive lines are going to struggle, and they did. They struggled to protect their quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Brock was, what, 3 of 12 on third down? Well, that is directly related to the pressures that Spags dialed up, and he really had a hard time there. Chris Jones dominates, too. Uh, you know, that's that's every time that they need a play. That dude is really good. I think the second half especially, he was the player of the game in the mm-hmm. second half. Like I get Mahomes gets the finish, and, and he closes the game out. You get the drive in the fourth quarter. You get the drive in overtime. But Chris Jones was a beast, yeah. an absolute beast. Yeah. And you're correct. They tried to go over on the total. My God, I, I got it at 47 and a half. I know. I think it, it closed at 46 and a half. Well, you're lucky they didn't out. get the extra point, or they're not required to. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, I was, I was like, hey, man, this game's over, right? Like, yeah, we're all running on the field. They're not doing this. Let's clear the, let's clear the field to for this one. They, they probably would have put their knee in the ground, but still, I like that. That was done. They tried to go on the over, but the under was the correct side. Mm-hmm. And you're right. We said it was going to be kind of an old school plotting type football game. It wasn't going to be razzle dazzle, thirty eight, thirty five. And and I think we were effectively correct. Take some five full quarters just to get to forty seven. It's Jeff Cambridge on ninety three three Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. All right, friends, let's talk about Factor. That's right, two-minute meals, fuel you up fast. Factor's restaurant quality meals at that, ready to heat and eat whenever you are. I use them for my family. I use them every day to eat nutritiously, but also I'm on the go, and I want something calorie smart. There are times where I'll go a week worth of Factors for lunch, and I'll just go vegan or veggie. Other times I go pure keto. I can worry about, you know, whether it's vegetable uh, base or protein based or meat based or whatever it might be, they have the options for you all the way around. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout every time you do it. It's also flexible to your schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash Cameron50. I'm going to save you some money, guys. Do it up. It's delicious. Cameron50. Use code Cameron50 to get 50% off. That's code Cameron50 at factormeals.com slash Cameron50 to get 50% off. Trust me, delicious. You'll thank me. A lot of variety. Tasty. Factormeals.com slash Cameron50. 
The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. By the way, uh, Tom, you and I have not had an opportunity to discuss yet, but uh, we now know Florida State's schedule for spring football. That came out over the weekend. I think we saw it, right? I mean, I don't know that we need to talk about it, but it's out there. Yeah, it sounds like uh, working backwards, you get into the middle part of March, which uh, for a start. So the, the game is later this year. It throws everything out of whack. A little bit, you know, that it's Saturday the 20th. You know, typically it's around Masters Saturday. Many times we're lamenting that it's on moving day at the Masters that we do have the spring game. Uh, but this year, the calendar's crazy. Uh, I know the Easter holiday is at the end of March, which is wild. And then the spring game itself is on the 20th. So they don't do that thing where they acclimate go to spring break for a week and then come back. Yeah, uh, it's going to be straight through for Florida State this year, which I like. Which I like, um, and uh, you, you now you can start, you know, making plans, buddy. <laughs> you can get your ass back down here from New York, and uh, we'll go watch some practices and enjoy. We will. I at least three. I'm making at least three. It might be four. Um, with uh, the golf tournament week, which we'll make an announcement on that soon. Uh, but we can say we can report. We discussed this today that we will have opening day at the Corner Pocket. We'll have opening day MLB, and we're wearing our hats today at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Yeah, I got this is the new official spring training cap of the Pirates. It's the, it's the one. It says 2024 spring training on the side. Got that shipped in. Do that at the beginning of every year. The uh, spring training caps are always nice. This, this bad boy's fitted, Tom. And uh, I will be at that series, but you're right, that Thursday of opening day when the – Buckos take on the Marlins. I was going to go down to South Florida, but we instead had the opportunity to get together and take it to uh, Corner Pocket Bar and Grill for opening day. Another classic Jeff Cameron show opening day at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Everybody comes out, get yourself some hot dogs, apple pie with cheddar cheese on top if you want. It is delicious. Get you some, uh, I don't know, butt heavy perhaps. Maybe it's a butt heavy kind of day as you sit back and watch a little uh, baseball, a little piece of Americana. Yeah, the first game of the day is uh, my own. Uh, it's the Mets playing the Brewers. They're here at City Field. I'll be going that Saturday. I'll be flying back and then going to the game on Saturday. Uh, but then you guys, I think we're the only one o'clock game. So then it goes three o'clock and a bunch of fours, and you guys play at four. So that's going to be a good time. That's going to be a good time. I just like that, you know, today is the start of baseball season, basically. That's what everybody can announce. You've got everybody reporting, and, and, and the sound of the ball hitting the mitt is a, uh, is a thing of beauty. Yeah, so I was talking to uh, Bill Hayes, Corner Pocket, today, You know, just making sure that the dates are good for uh, some of the things we got coming up. And he's like, yep, going to Hauser on Friday. And I'm, oh, just so jealous. Hauser on Friday. That's going to be watching those games this weekend. And then during the break, uh, I actually took a look at the local TV schedule for Mets spring training because you couldn't get that. There's no service to get that, uh, like MLB TV right, for spring. Right. So uh, two Saturdays from now, first spring training game on the tube, man. It's going to be good times. I made it 47 minutes deep into the first half of the show and not bringing up a, you know, valiant effort 
from Florida State basketball over the weekend, but a loss nonetheless. And and that's really where we're getting to with this now. There's no question they've improved over last year by leaps and bounds. Uh, but it's not it's not fruitful because they're losing these games that they have to find a way to win because of how bad they were in the non-conference to start the year. So they put themselves in a situation to be buried by that 6-5 and five start in the non-conference, and now each one of these losses, you start looking in that column and you go, well, they're, they're not bad losses. I mean, um, you know, a year ago, this was a team that finished 7-13 and 13 in the ACC and had a ton of games where they got blown out by 20-plus points and looked awful. But this year, they're 13-10 and 10 overall, 7-5 and five in the ACC, and their losses aren't dreadful, but here's the problem. They're mounting, and your current net ranking is 97th. So now the NIT bid is getting slim. Now, now we're starting to approach the uh, land of you're not going to make the NIT. Now, you know, Ira and Corey said to me when I brought this up, who cares? You either make the NCAA tournament or you don't. Who cares about the NIT? I care in terms of judging where the program's at. If you're not good enough to even make the NIT going on three years, we've got a problem. Uh, so you're not seeing the upward mobility that you'd like to see here. So I, I they have to finish uber strong in their final eight ACC games, and that would mean that you got to beat Clemson at Clemson, and then you're going to have to beat Duke this upcoming week. So you, I, don't, I don't, you know. What's the likelihood of either one of those things happening? Not good. Not good. Uh, you need one magical week in Washington, D.C. is what you need. That's that's the only thing left to do. But this game was uh, it was a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. The efficiency was through the roof. Our offensive efficiency was great. We just can't hit threes. We still can't hit threes and haven't yep. hit them all year long, other than little stretches where we go out of our mind and knock a few down. But we're, that, we're just not what we do. And Virginia was knocking them down out of their mind, McNeely specifically, but uh, they, they were does. shooting over over 50%. Some of them were contested. Many were not. Uh, but, you know, their, their typical defense, I think it's 38.9% entering the game. That's what they give up at Virginia. And we were shooting basically 50% from the field. It was back and forth, up and down. We made it close a couple of times in the second half, but that was a thoroughly entertaining game with Virginia. I just, I didn't see that coming. I wish we were on the, the good side of it, but... We really did some things to them, especially in the paint, because that's where we have to operate. But we did some things to them down low around the basket that I didn't know we were going to be capable of. It was, unfortunately, an impressive loss. If I told you last week we'd score 76 points against Virginia, shoot what we shot from the field overall, and, you know, I gave you some of the other numbers that were impressive reviewing the aforementioned efficiency, you'd say, oh, this this game is played at Florida State's pace. They were able to speed Virginia up. They were able to do all the things that you'd like to do. Yeah, it didn't matter, man. We lost, and it's uh, it's another one to make it 13-10, and 10, and you don't have margin for error. And I hate it. I just hate the way this is winding down uh, a legend like uh, Leonard Hamilton's career. I just I, I don't like where that's headed. At least this team's got heart. The last couple didn't. This one, this one does. And look, man, I, I got to tell you, I was looking at the total, so I was just watching. I didn't play it, but this was the the thirty minutes that concluded the game. Outside of that first ten, that's where the efficiency went nuts because it looked like it was going to be a typical game. I think there were two points in the first three minutes, and it was slow, yeah, slogging, yeah. Yeah. whistles, empty possessions, and then from about that halfway point, in the first half. 
there were hardly any empty possessions going both ways because even if there was a miss, there'd be an offensive board, a putback, a foul, whatever. But at that that first 10 minutes looked like it was going to be 62 to 47 or you know, I don't know that we were going to ever score as few as Miami did against for <laughs> 38. They didn't, yeah. They didn't break the 40 barrier, but it looked like it was going down that path. And then they just, everybody continued to make shots and make shots the rest of the way. So we'll see if they can bounce back against Virginia tech. But yeah, man, I, I think it's all about one magical week in the tournament. Now uh, I'm talking the conference tournament. That's your only path to do much of anything. Mike Norvell has begun the, uh, Booster tour, if you will. We'll get comments from him uh, over the course of, what, nine more appearances I think he makes after this last one. Uh, Irish Afell and I will do the smash tonight. We look forward for you guys to join us on War Chant TV tonight at 7 o'clock uh, for the smash. I'll talk to Ira about what he learned. Uh, he went, if I'm not mistaken, right, to that uh, talk there in Orlando? Yeah, that's correct. And this is uh, the OG smash. I just put it up on the board. This is the OG crew. Yeah, this is old school indeed. I look forward to it. Our friend Russ Forhis doing a great job of sponsoring the Smash. Always appreciate Russ. Got a chance to have a couple cold ones with him in the box for the ACC championship when we knocked out Louisville and dominated on defense. And at one point, uh, Ingram and myself and Russ uh, raised our glasses high and said to the playoff, off we go, and we were all set. But alas, it was not to be, but... Tonight, we won't be rehashing that. Instead, we'll be looking forward, as Mike did talk about some of the newcomers, the roster, and what we're looking at with um, you know spring football. I'm excited. It's amazing. You know, football is year-round now. It was that way. We watched the NFL slowly but surely take hold of the sports calendar. You know, we would watch. They'd you know, step on the feet of other sports at some point, they were trying to be delicate. Later, they just decided, no, it's ours. This is what we're going to do. It's just going to be year-round. And now college football is efforting to do the same, and that makes sense since they're kind of cloning a very professional operation, and that is what leads to people like, I don't know, head coaches that say UCLA leaving their job as a head football coach to go be a coordinator in the NFL. That's that's where we're at right now because that happened over the weekend with Chip Kelly. That's fascinating, too. There's got to be more that comes out of that situation. Yeah, you can't win at UCLA. Not big anyhow. Coaching college football kind of sucks. Really difficult. And he knows that wasn't going to end well. And he's like, screw this. I'll take it to the league. Well, I think also dirty laundry wise too. Like there's there's something that's coming out there. He was uh, obviously on the short list for the Raiders offensive coordinator job. Didn't get that, and he said, "I'll just be an OC somewhere else than my current place." Because apparently, when the, the next head coach was introduced today, the locker room or the meeting room went nuts. So it was like ding dong, the witch is dead. I, I just wonder what what happened behind the scenes there. Never struck me as a guy you'd love to play for. Never struck me as a guy that you'd just be chipper about as you went to work. Uh, but I do think it's a, a combination, a confluence of events where, yeah, you might have whatever's coming out. I don't know. if Are there rules in college football anymore? Uh, you may have something along those lines coming out. I don't think that thing was on the verge of turning the corner and becoming this behemoth in the game. Uh, what, what they're asking college coaches to do anymore is really, really hard, and if you don't have everything in lockstep and not everybody's on the same page and you don't have it in order from the top down, it's, it's listen, low-key, 
it's one of the great things that Florida State has going for them now, not just that they kept Mike Norvell and that he's done a good job since taking over as head coach and the program has turned the corner, but from the president to the athletic director to the head coach on down, the players love this staff. you got obviously great, great alliance there and synergy uh, for this football program, and that's not the way it is in a lot of places, and perhaps it's a little easier to walk away from that if you're a current college coach given the circumstances and what it takes to compete uh, at the highest levels right now in a world in which everybody's a free agent on a daily basis. Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.